Welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, the podcast that helps advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families understand the complexities of issues related to our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Our co-hosts, Arden O'Connor and Diana Clark, will interview a series of guests on a range of topics, providing informative content and practical tools for professionals and families to consider. Here are your hosts, Arden and Diana. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. I'm really excited to talk with Adam Hayes today about helping seniors navigate the real estate market. Adam has been a seniors real estate specialist since 2008 and the broker and owner of Milestones Realty. Founded in 2009, Milestones is a trusted resource to many elder law attorneys and occupies an unexpected space among real estate brokerages as they focus their energies on serving and advocating for older adults and special needs clients. The genesis for Milestones was Adam's unpleasant experience of rescuing his dad from an unsafe living situation in 2001. Little did he know that all his negotiating and people skills would be required. In fact, they were demanded and just for the seemingly simple act of moving his dad into a skilled nursing facility. He and his wife spent three months and several thousand driving miles dealing with concerns, repairs, cleanouts, and other assorted loose ends. Years later, he thought he had been in training his whole adult life for that Olympian task, and nothing truly prepared him for the energy drain of helping his father. Adam brings an insider's empathy to the equation and meets clients where they are emotionally and physically with unwavering respect for their tolerances and abilities, Welcome, Adam. I'm so excited you're here with me. That's terrific. Thank you, Sam. That was a stellar introduction. (laughs) Uh, No, my pleasure. We're we're very happy to have you. Uh, So can you tell me what is the difference between a realtor and a salesperson or agent? And what is a senior's real estate specialist? Thanks for asking. A lot of people just don't even know this question. And unless you're um, recently in the market, you may not even understand how it's, there's a bifurcation in credentialing. So to be clear, so everybody knows across the country, I'm in Massachusetts, but your listeners obviously can be national. So across the country, when you take a course and become newly minted, and it's a very low barrier to entry, by the way, to become a real estate agent, you are considered a licensed salesperson. It's the same in every single state. That's your title. To become a realtor, that is a trade group. The National Association of Realtors is a trade group with 1.6 million members. You don't have to belong. However, if you wish to pursue an education path, that caters to older adults, I wish they didn't call it seniors, older adult population, Um, it's only the National Association of Realtors that offers the designation that they came up with the name Seniors Real Estate Specialist in the uh, middle 1990s. So this is not a new designation at all. However, out of the 1.6 million realtors, there's less than 30,000 who have bothered to pursue this avenue. 
that tells you something right there about people's regard for population and whether it's another ism in this case ageism or there's a, a blindness to it i can't say i'm not qualified to say but if you get a license you're not supposed to cherry pick you're supposed to represent everybody as a fiduciary yeah and with the silver tsunami coming too it's like you think that people would be want to help others be more interested in getting that certification I would, um, you know, it occurred to me very early on in when I entered the business that people just danced around the elder population. It, a lot of times it's not glamorous. Sometimes houses don't look good. Sometimes they don't smell good. A lot of times there's conflict or mental illness involved. And it's not like what people imagined, whatever that was, you know, that they wanted something out of television, basically. That's not what real estate is. We're taught wrongly, in my opinion, that real estate is about the property. It's obviously paramount to understand the legalities of property and property ownership and rights. However, it's got to be at least as important to focus on the client. It, it, it can't be less than half. And most agents are not trained or taught or bother to pursue avenues to further their education, to recognize the role that they can play when there's, um, I make a joke, Sam, uh, that a lot of my clients put the fun in dysfunctional. There's not every house is beaver cleaver. Uh, so it, if you're not able to be agile, it's really, really difficult to work in this vulnerable population because there's always somebody behind you looking to take advantage. You've had other podcasts which are fascinating talking about different abuses, financial abuse, elder abuse, I get thrown in the middle of this quite frequently, and I'm not an attorney, but it's important to recognize the role you can play when there's conflicting, disparate powers. Money makes people crazy. I think we can agree. And families just don't always agree on knowing what is the best path forward. And they're looking for guidance. And the guidance that they need is from a trusted partner. And that's why I've chosen this path because it's a really good fit with who I am as a person and what my life has been like. And for agents who don't see that fit, I applaud you for stepping aside, but I chastise you if you insert yourself into the chain of liability. And if you're not prepared to work in the trenches with your client during periods of lows, because everybody wanna, wants to work during the highs, then you, you should really analyze your business and recognize that you should step back and let someone else who understands the nuance take your place. That's what proper representation should be. 
Oh, exactly. And we think of seniors, they've lived in their home, they could have lived there their whole lives, 30 plus years. And these are valuable. This is valuable to them. This is where they've raised their children. It's their community. And it's so they need that extra support and handholding, I would imagine, when they're looking to relocate. So a lot of times the house, Sam, becomes an actual family member. Sometimes you have a solo ager, perhaps they've been single their whole life, um, but perhaps there are decedents, there's any number of situations that can come up. And one of the most painful situations for me to work with is when you have partners who can't live together, one needs to be needs an extra level of care and they're in a facility and they can no longer stay in the family home. So that remaining older adult has just a snow globe of emotions around letting go of the house that perhaps they've spent, I'm dealing with a client now, 60 years in the house. Had a client earlier this year, 86 years, born in the house. Wow. The house is wow. the family member and it's really yeah. hard. It's just words, but sharing the thought that memories are portable and not fixed on the property. It's just, that's just the tangible part that often will help to bring the older adult over the finish line that they can let go. They're not abandoning the property and they're not being abandoned by the property. So we, we've kind of briefly talked about this, but can you tell me why older adults need help navigating the real estate market? So regardless of age, um, there have been sea changes and we're in the middle of an enormous sea change right now. So things are fluid in real estate. And I almost hesitate to even call it the real estate market. Every location is going to have its idiosyncrasies and be a little bit, uh, and be a little bit different impacted by what's going on in the economy and its environs. But if you have not bought or sold a property in the last 10 years, things are so different that there's going to be a lot of head scratching. So that's got nothing at all to do with the age of the homeowner. The thing that older homeowners maybe don't recognize is just how many bad actors there are. And this is a source of constant frustration for me. It really is alarming. And this we hear about scams with some regularity, but when's the last time you heard about people attending an open house with drug seeking behavior? You don't really hear about that, but I see it all the time. Being personally aware of what's in your home is super important and being personally cognizant of who you're allowing in your home. I don't mean to say that anyone of any age should be frightened, but you certainly should be skeptical of what's going on. That's one of the reasons I choose not to use lock boxes and allow the public access, even if they have an agent. I'm always there in the property, and that's a best practice that I find from the 
most professional agents across the board, it's always an accompanied showing. Remember, we're supposed to be fiduciaries looking out for our client's best interest. And if that requires, um, if, if, if it is an older adult and they're not able to leave the home for mobility or health reasons, then that's, I need to be there and hold hands or uh, make introductions. Uh, protecting that client is the most sacrosanct part of the entire transaction, making sure we insulate the older adult from the vagaries of the process. What is coming down the pipeline? Who's the next person coming through the door? What do we need to be aware of? Is it someone who has a, a badge around their neck who purporting to be an official from the town? This scam makes me crazy where you have uh, usually two fellas both in overalls knock at the door and they say, uh, we're from the tree department and we need to look at this. Uh, we have a dangerous situation. I need you to come out back with me and show me what's going on. And while they're distracted, the other fella is walking in, goes upstairs, checks the medicine chest, goes through uh, the bureau drawers, is collecting everything he can in his pockets. And you go back into the house and you don't even know you've been pilfered until everyone is gone. Uh, that's the kind of scam that you don't really hear about. The ones with uh, uh, that are money motivated with grandsons or grandchildren calling in an emergency. You hear that all the time. But unless you're on the front lines working with the senior population, you're not going to know it. That's one of the reasons you, I suggest that your clients, if they are older, that they reach out to someone who this is their daily job. They're seeing, smelling, touching these scams. They're, they're right on the front line and they're going to act as a Sherpa to guide the client through a successful closing. That's obviously the goal for everyone. So Adam, we've kind of talked about some scams and then also crimes. I want to focus both of those, but separately. Um, now about scams, there's a high emphasis on artificial intelligence right now. And as you mentioned, there's the scam where, you know, the grandchild calls and saying that they're in jail and that they need money. And so obviously the grandparent wants to help, but with this AI coming in, they can mimic the voice of the grandchild and it just makes it so much worse and, and makes the, the victim truly believe that their grandchild is in trouble. Are there other scams out there to be aware of? So that is uh, really clever that you're pressing on that black and blue. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with technology and I'm sure AI is gonna do miraculous things for us, but in the hands of the bad actors, what we're seeing recently is incredibly frightening and when I, this is not just my opinion. So I have lawyers telling me what? So there's a syndicate. This just happened this year. There's a syndicate out of West Virginia that through AI is faking death certificates. I don't even know how they came up with this idea, but here's the play. Um, in many states, there is a public database that it's hard to find, but if you know what you're doing, 
you can find probate cases. In other words, there's a decedent, there's a legal action being taken for someone to be appointed as personal representative to administer an estate. What this group of bad actors has figured out ha is how to fake a death certificate, submit it to probate court, naming themselves as the personal representative. And it's a syndicate. So you have somebody who's working in land court. There's title issues. There's a number of silos that all have to work together to make this global scam where the perpetrator actually sells the property under court authority, pockets the money, obviously, and disappears. And the family, if there is a family, would possibly never know until they were trying to deal with the property itself. That one is rather amazing in its complexity and it requires, as I said, a lot of bad actors, but like we talked about earlier, money does strange things to people. And I think that between pirating sound clips so that you can mimic a voice and now being able to doctor an image, we already know that people do it with checks. There's been a lot of notoriety and a lot of seniors, by the way, still use checks on a daily basis. Um, it's not that uncommon to hear about a bad actor opening an envelope and using certain chemicals that I don't know how they do it. Wow. And they're able to dissolve the ink and they make the check out to themselves or to another, to a third party that they're involved with. Um, going back in time, you know, we're, we're all creatures of habit. So when you multiply those habits across the decades that you've been alive, they come, they're much more entrenched. And I think that's probably why the senior population, the older adult population ends up suffering because they're reluctant to give up their habits. And of course they're perceived as being better off financially because they bought their homes 60 or 70 years ago than younger people are. So they're ripe, if you will, for, for these myriad scams that go on. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just so crazy out there that people even think about doing this and, and just the type of people that are out there. Um, and now talking about crimes and just even other concerns older adults should be aware of, can you talk to us about any of those other concerns? And then even I just recently learned about, you know, drug seeking behaviors where people will go in and you touch on this as well about uh, someone going in to check the medicine cabinet and taking prescription bottles. And, and you know, I, I would have never have thought that until I, I heard about it. And just, you don't think about these things. You don't. Why would you? Oh my gosh. It, it's so, um, it's just so out of the norm, um, unless you're in that situation. And so it's a crime of opportunity. And here's a couple of things that, um, can come into play that make it easier 
uh, for this to even happen. Uh, and, and I don't take this lightly. And, and people who have addiction problems, this, that spans the spectrum. Obviously, it, it's a chronic public health issue. When there's a need, a, people will often take the path of least resistance. So when we put a property on the multiple listing service with all of its beautiful pictures, the photography and the videos, we're giving a blueprint for the bad actors to find a path in and we're, we're allowing them to refine their path to their payday, whatever that is that they're looking for. Many times, if the home is occupied, especially by a solo ager, I won't even put a sign out front because as soon as you put the sign, you're put, it, you might as well put a neon sign with an arrow that says, um, come here, come here, look at all my yeah. good stuff. So mm -hmm. let's be pragmatic about it. When you're choosing an agent, you need to make sure that they are understanding your tolerances, your abilities, and your concerns, but it needs to be an ongoing dialogue. So with the agent, you need to tell me, Mr. or Miss Agent, what do I need to look out for? And agents who work in this segment are more or less trained to pay attention to that. But again, Sam, this is just a class, right? It's just a designation. It doesn't make me or any other seniors real estate specialist a good person so you still it, it, it's not an automatic default but you are certainly making a better decision in my opinion having an SRES agent on your side to help put guardrails up if you will yeah and, and to have that designation it's just that you you know what to look out for um when you're when you're helping a senior sell their home can you share with us some examples of what not to do when selling a senior's home well that's a great question thank you so so when we are interfacing with a family it's important to understand who is the client and this is something that is contract law 101 who are you working with? So it is my suggestion that the older adult and their family or stakeholders have identified who is in charge. And we don't talk about competency. I know you know this, Sam, but we talk about capacity. So who's got the capacity to make the decisions? How are we moving forward? Let's establish a paradigm that will help us identify what not to do. Are there certain people we're not allowed to talk to in the family? Startling to me, because it's not how I grew up, but many families the, old, the parents, the older adults, do not talk about money with the children. They don't talk about that they took a reverse mortgage 16 years ago. Things only come about when there's an emergent issue, when someone's no longer safe at home, or financially the decisions made that they need to divest from that four-bedroom colonial that no longer makes sense for one person.
establishing the this paradigm again will point out what are the pain points what do we need to avoid with this particular client are there hidden tripwires that we're not supposed to talk about is it a late spouse did they lose a child i have a client that i've been talking to for seven years they're not ready to go their child is buried in their town and they really don't want to leave the town what role do i play there i can't convince them that it, that would be so wrong so i provide supports i go over and have tea we talk about the things they want to talk about and when they're ready i'll see those cues so i know this doesn't answer your question directly but it's these issues that come up that help guide me as to what i need to avoid in the broader scheme globally are we setting the older adult up for success or failure so um i would suggest that whoever your client whoever the client hires does not have their name plastered all over their vehicle. Um, if they need home health care, do you really want the home health people to come with a rolling billboard announcing to everyone, what happened to privacy and dignity? I have no problem with people earning a fair living, but there are times when it's overstepping that you're advertising your services for home health, for cleanouts, for junk removal. It makes me a little bit crazy. So I've made the commitment and a lot of professional agents have made the commitment not to have any signage on their vehicle. Sometimes we come across older adults who've had problems with neighbors and we're not supposed to announce anything up until that last minute right when we go on market but thankfully al gore invented the internet and the internet has turned into the great equalizer and once you're out there you can't take it back so we need to be really cautious about what information we put so if there are things of tremendous value in your home it's my strong suggestion that those are not captured on any of this listing photography you're again you're announcing hey look at the look at the quality of my stuff over here some amateur agents they they don't grasp that at all because they want to show the fancy and the schmancy I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me likewise i'm very careful to guide clients if they have um special photographs on the wall once that picture of your dining room or living room is on the internet again it's bad actors what can they see with your grandchildren what can they do with that image maybe i'm over embellishing but i've seen a lot of despicable behavior with elder abuse and there's nothing that gets me angrier so we want to set up as many precautions as we can again to insulate the older adult from the vagaries 
of the process. Yeah, no, totally. And I didn't even think about the pictures and, uh, you know, I can imagine like the pictures hanging up on someone's wall, like their grandchildren, like what could be done or what could happen, but there is a crime that could be committed. You're totally right on that. And I love your approach about getting to know the client because when, you know, I obviously work a lot with seniors, but it's about promoting their autonomy and maintaining their dignity and giving them the respect and letting them dictate what's going to happen. Um, I'm sure you see it a lot where maybe there's a crisis or emergency and the kids will come in and they want to take over everything. And you've got to just pump the brakes on that. Like, no, the, this let's, let's listen to your parent. They have the capacity. Exactly. Um, amateur agents make that mistake all the time. It's, it's akin to um, uh, if you're at a restaurant and at the table, there's a delineation with a head of the table. The waiters and waitstaff often will only talk to the person who's at the head of the table who may or may not be the responsible decision-making party. So establishing that common language is absolutely critical. And then sticking with it, it is slight. Now I'm an only child, so I find this slightly amazing, but how many parents only want to talk to one child? It's often the adult daughter, but the other children are not incorporated in the conversation. So we have to pick up on that. And it's a nuance, but you can make a tragic mistake if you change your gaze and you're talking to anyone but the decision maker. Now, if it's if you've asked the question and it's the older adult and they say, I'm an open book, it's totally fine. But remember, it's the homeowner who's setting the rules, not the agent. Always defer to the client's wishes. And that's why it's so important for the homeowner to feel comfortable that they're being heard by the agent that they hire. And when we're in this low inventory environment that we have now, that we've had, honestly, it's been awful since about 2014. We can go back in time, but sh housing shortages have become seriously acute. And we could have another segment where we talk about how broken real estate is, but I'm gonna draw your attention that real estate is broken in my world because the barrier to entry is so low. Sam, you can spend one month and about $1,000 and you can become a licensed agent. And you know what? Wow. It's a license to ruin people's lives. If you do not know what you're doing and you do not understand what can go wrong, you're this is a gamble that I know you're licensed and you got to start somewhere just like I did, but oh my gosh, it is such a lousy system. We'll set that to the side. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I don't need <laughs> no. to pontificate about that. But I, I, just to that point, you know, I'll be looking out, I'll see friends who've all of a sudden have made a job change and now they're a realtor and they've never done anything in their past like with that. So I, I hear it like, okay, after, when did this happen? <laughs> 
Uh, you know, it, it looks good on TV and it sounds good, but until you're in the trenches and understand the enormous liability. So in my world, let me tell you that it, it is not unusual to hear about after the fact, after a home is sold, that a relative comes out of the woodwork and they're like, what did you do to Aunt Miriam? How, what, that's not what she wanted. How did, how did this happen? Who's Aunt Miriam? I mean, nobody told us, we, we don't know. A critical mistake that amateur agents make is they just do not understand that they have to identify who's able to sign a contract. You have to have three basic tenants, right? You must be ready, willing, and able. And that's why I often rely, if not all the time, the majority of time, on an elder law attorney or a physician to make that determination. I am never giving anybody a mini mental. I'm not gonna come at that. It makes no sense. That's not my license. This is about finding out who can sign Who's the decision maker? Whose wishes am I respecting? And regarding wishes, I certainly wish that more people would fill out their advanced planning documents and do a most and have everything in order. It is absolutely antithetical to think that probate is the right way to go. You should really have all your documents, your personal representative, all the authorities laid out ahead of time. I know I'm preaching to the choir, Sam, and I know you agree with me. Uh, it's so disappointing how many people put their head in the sand or decide not to decide. Or as my dad always said, what's the longest river in the world? Denial. Denial. <laughs> denial. So they kick the can down the road. Nothing gets documented. Something awful happens. You're not able to communicate your wishes. Nobody knows what your wishes are. It, that's the one thing if your audience will take away from today. I really wish they would be empowered to seek out the legal guidance in their state. And I know it varies wildly to have advanced planning documents ahead of time, not done emergently. Mm -hmm. That proactive approach is so important. We try to tell all of our clients every day, just that pro be proactive. Um, with that said, what are the most important lessons you've learned throughout your career? <laughs> that proactive approach. <laughs> it, well, you're not wrong. Um, being proactive in your research and your rapport building and being patient, it kind of all goes together into uh, how to have a successful outcome. What we're looking for ultimately, of course, is getting to the closing table in terms of my job description. So we're looking for assuredness. So that could mean the client that I worked with, we closed this year. I started working with her in November, uh, pardon me, October of 2021. 
it took quite a long time to put all the pieces in place and having that level of patience and stick to which is what I'm comfortable with. It, it's a good fit for me. That's, it's not a secret, but that's how I get through these complicated emotional situations. Staying calm and staying focused is critical for any agent, but especially when dealing with a possibly frail, but definitely vulnerable population. And that crosses socioeconomic um, strata, by the way. I have worked with multimillionaires living in total squalor. It's really jarring to try and match up people's ability and financial resources when they're in a really awful living circumstance. I am not judgmental. Not all my colleagues can say that. It's critically important that you continue to show respect and keep the line of communication open with your client. As soon as you put your value system on that homeowner, you're making a mistake. And I have learned that in a brutally honest way, it is paramount to step outside and take perspective. Mm -hmm. No, 100%. Uh, is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you'd like to let our viewer, listeners know? Thanks. So, um, one of the things that is uh, frustrating, uh, that's not exclusive to real estate, is that people tend to read headlines and summarize, come up with their own summary. You really need to read a little bit deeper. And here's what I mean um, specifically with real estate. Uh, every day, I am opening a newsletter or a newspaper, and I'm hit with some negativity. The market is crashing, foreclosures are up, values are down, um, the market's gonna implode or explode. There, it depends on the author of the, uh, of the article. Um, sales are down, sales are up. Uh, it's almost impossible to come away with a solid, understanding of where the market is unless you're having an ongoing conversation with an agent who's active on the front lines and even then it's almost if you said adam what's the market doing right now i could tell you what it's doing right now but i really can't tell you what it's going to do tomorrow it's really frustrating we've never been through a situation quite like this so it is my suggestion that your audience stay calm, take in as much information as they can, but seek counsel with an active agent in their market so that they can start to learn the idiosyncrasies of what's actually going on. Just because the market is performing and prices are going up 
in your community or your zip code has absolutely nothing to do with any other part of the country. And I, I, you know, we all know location, 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 but right now this is honestly um, about fine tuning what's happening in your zip code. I feel pretty confident to tell you that the market is really not going to crash because there is such a huge undersupply right now. The very, very smartest housing economists have come up with a couple of different numbers, but the range is we are short about two to three million homes to satisfy demand. Until that changes, it's very unlikely that prices will go down. So even though interest rates, today when we're recording this, interest rates are at about 7.7% for a 30-year fixed, even though that's harming potential buyers and that's a terrible situation to be in, homeowners are still in the catbird seat. They're in charge they can command a higher price. However, that is dependent upon the overall condition of the property, how well it's been maintained, how close to market standard it is. And that is why we cannot trust the algorithmic models that are abundant on the internet. I won't name brands, but it's very easy to find an AVM, an automated valuation tool to say, oh, so-and-so says my house is worth, here's the bottom line, your house is worth exactly what a buyer is willing to pay. That's in every circumstance, whether the market is going up, down, or doing this craziness, what we're doing right now. So ultimately, going at this process with a professional agent by your side, who's practicing, who's in the trenches every day, that's your path to success. Part-time agents cannot possibly keep up with what's going on on a daily basis. Sometimes their evaluation changes from street to street. You just, there are so many nuances, Sam. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. Thank you so much, Adam, for joining me. This has been so enlightening. I appreciate your time. For our listeners, if you've enjoyed this episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast, please like us on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Balance Sheet a podcast designed to help advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families solve some of their biggest medical, psychiatric, and emotional challenges. Visit beyondthebalancesheet.com to read more about our guests and resources and sign up for our newsletter.